The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderer Show. Of course, uh, since we last spoke, so much has happened, doesn't it? Uh, but but uh, we do have our first points of the season at the third time of asking in League One. A fantastic 3-2 victory, if you hadn't heard, at home to Leighton Orient on Tuesday night. It was certainly an enthralling game. Uh, a lot happened and uh, we'll be reliving those in a few moments' time with our match highlights uh, from our commentary with Phil and, of course, Toby Large was alongside him at Adams Park on Tuesday as well. We'll be reflecting, reflecting on that with Phil himself as well. We'll hear from manager Matt Bloomfield to get his thoughts on that game as well. Uh, also, uh, coming up later on, we'll hear more from the manager as he uh, looks ahead to uh, the uh, second of back-to-back home games in League One as Burton Albion visit on Saturday. Uh, quite excited to let you know as well about uh, the return uh, last week, of course, of our regular feature with the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association. We spoke to Marcus Bean, uh, of course, is <laughs> quite famous for uh, a particular goal and then went on to score another one after some T-shirts were made as well. Uh, also, uh, this evening, uh, we're uh, having a bit of a series coming up, thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association, to uh, uh, mark 30 years of the club in the Football League. And I'm especially excited because, uh, easily excited, as you can tell, I know what's coming, uh, to be speaking to uh, the man who led the club uh, to the Football League 30 years ago. Uh, Also, the person who was uh, inducted on Tuesday night at half-time on the pitch with Mark Gateskill, the Chief Executive of the Wickham Wanderers Foundation as the Honorary President of the club's charitable arm. Uh, We'll be finding out more about that uh, this evening when we uh, hear from someone who needs no introduction apart from the, the fact that I've just built up quite a lot of the introduction. He's also someone who'll be uh, the guest of honour at uh, the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Dinner, which is taking place in November. You still haven't said who it is, Connor? We probably know, don't we? Uh, it's also someone who did the uh, draw for the second round of the EFL Cup last week, and um, <laughs> was seen, if you saw the draw, you'll know this, but um, he was seen, instead of talking to the microphone, he was talking to the balls each time uh, he drew them out. <laughs> I thought I should mention that because <laughs> it's covered in our chat. Uh, so uh, a chat with Martin O'Neill is on the way. Uh, I think that needed explaining because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, if you didn't know that, it would sound a bit of an odd question uh, when it's brought up with him. But first, here are some highlights from Tuesday night. Good evening and welcome to Adams Park, live from the Bill Turnbull Gantry. I'm Phil Catchpole. You're tuned in to Wanderers TV and Wickham Sound 106.6 for full commentary of Wickham Wanderers versus Leighton Orient in beautiful August evening sunshine here in South Bucks. Scoan cross comes in to the back post again. Lowe's up there and it's there. Debut goal for Joe Lowe. Brilliant stuff from the chair boys. What a cross by Luke Leahy. And on his first league start for the club, Joe Lowe muscles his way into the back post. And his right-footed volley nestles in the bottom corner. Wickham Wanderers 1, Leighton Orient 0. Is it going to be Leahy crossing in a left-footed one to try and tempt the keeper off his line? He goes for goal. Oh, and the keeper scrambles. And Leahy, using all the, every minute of his experience there, really. Long ball over the top for Archibald is a good one. First time cross, goes to the back post. And it's there, the equaliser. Lovely ball in from Archibald. And Ruel Satoriu has equalised left-footed volley past Max Trieck. It came from out wide, and the wide man from the right came in to meet the cross first time. Wickham Wanderers one, Leighton Orient one. It's going, lovely ball through to Taylor. Taylor's blocked off by the run, and that's a free kick on the edge of the area. What's the referee? It's a red. It's a red card. Taylor 
was had his run blocked off. The referee has deemed this to be a clear goal-scoring opportunity outside of the penalty area. He's produced the red card. And I'm just seeing which defender is it. It's Dan Happ, isn't it? Yeah, I think it looked like it was. And um, in my opinion, that's a correct decision. Taylor had got himself through on goal and there was contact on him blocking him off. Whether he actually would have been able to get his shot off on goal, I'm not sure. But you never know whether he would have done or not. And I think the referee then has to give the red card, especially with the new rules where they're you know, becoming a little bit more strict on on everything being given I think that, that that is the right decision goes back to Leahy who digs out across Taylor on the turn narrow angle puts it into Vokes Vincent Young can he get a shot away he can't he stays on his feet but Wickham Wanderers win a corner it's really good attacking play down the left hand side the corner's taken short Luke Leahy gets it back from Kane Vincent Young goes to the back post Lowe's there again and he has scored again Joe Lowe with the diving header in front of the terrace and it's limbs it's limbs in the valley ends Wickham Wanderers 2, Leon Orient 1, Luke Leahy, a buffet ball, gobbled up by Joe Lowe for his second for the Chairboys on his first league start for the club. Bring it on. Get in there, Joe Lowe. What a way to find yourself in the starting 11 for the first time in the league. And Joe Lowe has been absolutely imperious at the back. Now the closer we get towards the 90 minutes, the better at this, at this scoreline, unless we can find another. And that's a brilliant pass. Lovely stuff for Taylor on the left-hand side. He's inside the area. He's looking for support. Gives it to Boys now. Boys, first time left foot. He crosses a peach to the back post. Clawed away, but only as far as McCleary. McCleary into score and he turns. Narrow angle. And Taylor is there. The offside flag stays down. And Wickham Wanderers have gone 3-1 into the lead. And Dale Taylor has opened his account for the season. McCleary into Scullin, Scullin dropped a shoulder and rolled the ball across to Taylor. And there we are, Wickham Wanderers 3, Leonore and 1. Long yeah. throw into the box, headed clear by Potts. Shot comes in, it strikes and hits the scene, it's in there. And Lauren are back in this one, a scrappy goal. The shot came in, it was tested down by Lowe and it fell nicely. Beckles is forward, it's not comfortable for Wickham. Potts heads clear. Scoan is there as well Wickham need to get something on it and Lee he does and Lee he sees the keeper off his line he's got boys to his left and Lee he just chips it down and the whistle goes Wickham Wanderers have got their first win of the season a breathtaking game here at Adams Park Leighton Orient played their part too it finishes 3-2 it was 1-1 at half time the red card really brought the things to life Wickham Wanderers made the extra man count and went 3-1 up, but Leighton Orient were dangerous on the counter throughout. They got it back to 3-2. The 10 minutes went up and it's been tight, it's been edgy, it's been entertaining stuff. Wickham have played some great stuff this evening too. Toby, what a game. Who's your man of the match? Oh, oh there's so many that I could give it to. I think um, Luke Lee, he is one who's been so involved. I think um, Dale Taylor's put in such a good performance, but there's only one man. A brace on your first start at Adams Park. My man of the match has to go with Joe Lowe. But phew, finally, the final whistle went. And season 23-24, we have liftoff. Come on, boys. Matt Bloomfield deserves that for all the work that he's put in. The fans around Adams Park deserve that. The 1887 got to shout out them. The atmosphere was so good and I can't help but feel like they've improved it. The chair boys at home watching, you deserve that. Get in there with him. Late news, late and assistant manager's just been shown a red card. Richie Wellens is lining off for his and here it comes. Richie Wellens is sent off after the full-time whistle as well. 
and he's going back for more. I think he just wants to shake hands with the officials in, in what can only be seen as a, a sarcastic display of gratitude at the end there. Richie Wellens absolutely furious. His side will come again after tonight. So then, Wickham Wanderers, Joe Lowe at the double. A first goal for Dale Taylor seals the points. Full time at Adams Park. Wickham Wanderers three. Leighton Orient two. Fantastic to hear such uh, incredible game on Tuesday. So much happening. I'm very pleased to say, uh, Phil, uh, we can speak to now. And uh, to quote uh, the uh, mastermind behind the uh, uh, duck-sized bears and bear-sized ducks, uh, forget Sheffield Wednesday, uh, we're now Wickham Tuesday. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Five wins out of five. It was a a really fantastically absorbing game, especially the second half. And full credit to Leighton Orient as well. They had a great effort. And Wickham, still very much a work in progress, but some really good signs, especially going forwards and scoring three goals at home as well was was a real tonic. But it was all about the three points and a really big victory as well. Big credit to Joe Lowe too. I think defensively, uh, has looked assured against MK Dons and, and at large parts against Leighton Orient. But to get two goals as well, only first league start for your club is the stuff of dreams, uh, especially in front of the home fans. So, yeah, great to, to him as well. Daryl Taylor, every striker needs to get that first goal and hopefully to get on a, on, a, on a run too. He had a really good performance and he missed a really good chance. And then you were hoping that he would another one would come his way and he would open his account and he did. So from that point of view, fantastic. He's looking like he's building up a good relationship with Sam Bokes and that's going to get stronger as the games go on. So that's exciting to see. Uh, and it was lovely to speak to Matt Bloomfield after the game, uh, who enjoyed the victory too. Oh, what a game. Um, yeah, uh, incident packed, wasn't it? A dead everything, sending off goals, either end, late drama. There was a goal match action. We could have had more um, than what we had, I thought. We looked a real threat in attacking areas. There's other bits I'd like to tidy up a bit better, I think, to be honest. But I think relief around the ground. I think you could tell the last 10, 15 minutes that, you know, uh, the first win hadn't come yet and we were kind of getting a bit edgy and um, defending for our lives. But it's, uh, it's certainly a relief to get that one on the board. Uh, let's roll back right to the very start. Joe Lowe, first league start for Wickham Wanderers at centre-back and, and a first goal as well. And, uh, and that was great to get things rolling. Yeah, I think I said it after um, MK last last Tuesday. Joey came in um, on try well with a view to signing. He came to train with us. He was willing to take the chance to come and train in pre season. We obviously played against him at at Walsall last year when we were at Colchester, and he's impressed us in everything he's he's done. Every challenge we've set down to him, he's he's grabbed it. He's a level headed boy. He just wants to play football and be the best he can be. Um, I love his outlook on life. I love his attitude. Um, you know, and after after the weekend, we we felt that this was the time to to give him his go in the league. And I thought he, he grabbed it with both hands. He's got to keep his feet firmly on the floor, but we know he will. Um, yeah, we're delighted to have him here. Was Orient took their chance in the first half, and it, it went in at one one at half time. What were your thoughts at half time at one one? Yeah, I wasn't very happy at half time. I must admit, I thought we got our press slightly wrong. I thought that it was a soft goal to give away in terms of the way we um, way we tracked the run uh, and then didn't mark in the box. So that was really disappointing. But I just I was pleased with the goal threat we had. I thought Dale looked lively all night. We know he's going to be a, a big player for us. You know, Sam's missed a lot of preseason, but it's you know really starting to look like like Sam that we know and love. Um, so yeah, I was I wasn't really too happy at half time. We made obviously made the decision to to bring on um, Freddie. It was a tough. Decision to leave him out tonight, but we wanted to go with the experience of Joshy and uh, Lukey in the middle of the park. 
And I just thought that Potsy would come on and give us that little bit of um, guile. You know, Killian's missed a lot of pre-season as well with his, um, at Palace. So we felt at 45 minutes it was just right to change shape and go to three in midfield and let uh, Freddie come on. And I thought the, the ball he passed through to Joshy and then um, the way we created you know, ended up in a sending off. But Dale was through on goal. So, yeah, it just, it just felt like we needed something at half-time and I'm, I'm glad what we did paid off. Lit the touch paper, that red card. What was your view on it? Yeah, I mean, it's a lovely pass. Potts has accepted it, passed it through the lines. You know, one of the main reasons we wanted him here was his ability to pass through the lines. Joshy playing slightly higher in the eight, um, again, accepted and, and, and played, the, you know, two passes were through them. And Dale was through on goal. Vokes, he got out of the way and Dale was through. Um, he got pulled back. It's, it's a red card. Um, I'm not sure there's too much to be discussed about that, if I'm honest. And we can make the numerical advantage count 2-1. That man again, Joe Lowe. Yeah, and, you know, he's a threat in the box. As we saw last year with his loan spell, he um, he does attack it. He's a, he's a big boy, isn't he? You know, he's a, he's a big old unit and he's got a desire to get on the end of things. So um, it's good for him. I felt like we... It's just a shame we didn't have more because I felt like, you know, there's balls that flashed across. Lukey had the one that dropped to him. Dale at the front stick that just missed it. Um, so it was, we had Dale had another one where we pressed from the goal kick and won it back high up uh, in their 18-yard box. So there was loads of near misses. Um, but it was nice for Joe to get his. Uh, and then obviously it was great to see Dale get off the mark with the third as well because he's been so close a couple of times. He puts, he's just such a team player. Dale was, you know, we obviously saw him at Burton last year. We saw what... A diamond of a boy he is. He just wants to come and do well for us, and I was, I was chuffed to see him get off the mark as well. And it was a really good uh, football match. Both teams trying to play in the in the way that you know we both want to go about it. I thought they dominated the ball at times, so we had to stay strong in our defensive shape. Um, but I think that you know evening games here at Adams Park, we're under the lights, and um, you know there's a zip to the pitch, which gives it an extra edge and an extra pace to the game. I thought the terrace was top tonight, so thank you for the guys and big relief at the end to share that moment with them. It's obviously been a, a testing couple of weeks, but um, you know, I just said to the boys, there's no celebrations in there. We've got we've got another game to go on Saturday, and we've got to make sure we're ready to go. And finally, no Chris Farina in, in the squad tonight. Uh, any news on that? No, nothing. Just you know, Chrissy's missed a lot of preseason again. He had his he had his wrist operation. He's you know, and we've discussed his situation already a number of times. So we don't need to discuss it anymore. And he missed a lot of preseason. He's had a lot going on, um, and I felt that he was magnificent at MK last week. But the recovery from Tuesday to Saturday, when you've missed a lot of preseason, it's the it's not that first game. It's the second and third that you you, you struggle with with your body. So um, we didn't want to make him an injury risk tonight. It was for his own benefit. We just felt that you know Saturday came around. Really quickly and he tired um, last half an hour and we we felt that um, going again tonight um, would cause him more problems than it would solve so we made the decision to leave him out he's done a bit of fitness work he'll keep himself going he's a bit of fit and available we love him Chris there's nothing untowards before people try and make something of it that it's not it's really not that we love him to bits we want him here we want we see him as a, a big part of our long term future um, and um, and yeah it was just a decision we had to make and we felt that the right time was put Joe in um, and that kind of played into the hands we can't you know we don't want all experience we don't all young we need to try and get that blend um, right and then we've got to keep looking at that as we move forward Really nice. Um, similar to Gareth, I guess, as well. Matt's always so upbeat and positive, but it feels like such a sort of reward for him as well that to get those first points in, in League One at the third attempt. Yeah, and obviously he's at the very start of his managerial journey. And I, I remember speaking to Gareth back back at the start when things were going badly. And you can tell the pressure it takes on, on, on a manager, especially in a very brittle industry that football is, that the pressure is on straight away. Um, social media and fans is... is uh, 
an interesting place after a team loses and it adds to it as well, obviously. But well, that's always worth remembering. It's just 20% of the population that's on Twitter. But, you know, every fan has their, their, their platform to put their views across. Uh, and after defeats, it, it can be, um, it can be quite a lot of stuff on there. Uh, some of it justified, some of it not. Everyone's got opinions and it's great that people talk about the football. Um, but wins really make everything a lot easier for everybody around the football club. But I think building on what we're saying with Vokey and Taylor as well, it's just the, you know, the integration of the new players. It's going to take a few games. It was unacceptable how they defended. They have to do the simple things better. Um, but it was all about getting the three points. And there was definitely a sense of relief after the 10 minutes was added on at the end. Um, you could tell that those first two results were hanging over Wickham a little bit. So they really, really wanted to dig in and, and get those three points. It was made more difficult by conceding the second late in Orient goal. Um, as I say, down to 10 men, but they really made a great effort. But when the final whistle went, it was a, a sense of relief and, and jubilation, um, which is what football's all about. And hopefully now we can use this as a platform to build against another team that's struggling down the bottom like Leighton Orient uh, were in Burton Albion. Because if, if we are to win that game as well, then all of a sudden, four games into a season, things look a hell of a lot better. And it's really nice to imagine having back-to-back home games like that as well, because you can kind of build on, on what was achieved and, and the team must have so much more confidence as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it would only be really nice if, if we can get a win, because <laughs> um, it's a results business after all. But I mean, the performances uh, are moving in the right direction. And, and Matt Bloom has already said that if the performances are, are good, then the results will take care of themselves across the, the whole body of the season. So uh, it's about building on those performances and, and building those relationships with the players. And the other relationship I thought that was excellent on Tuesday was a relationship between the players on the pitch and the fans in the terrace and the family stand and the Frank Adam stand because there was some really great noise across all fan sections on, on Tuesday night uh, and, away, and the away end as well. It was a really great atmosphere and it was really great to hear the Wickham fans in good voice. The players must take so much from that as well. And sort of the online comments that you adhere to as well, it really shows, doesn't it? It's easy to support the team you know, when they're doing well and winning and things are going well, but, but just as important, if not more so, to, to really back the team when, when the results aren't going in their favour. Exactly that. You know, it's um, there's always a discussion, isn't it? The team should be the ones who enthuse the fans and, and then the team will say, oh, we have sometimes when we're struggling, we need the fans to, to pick us up as well. Look, every fan has a different reason for coming to football. Every fan, uh, there'll be some that will just clap and cheer no matter what. There'll be others who love to come and, and vent and let off some steam and have a moan as well. And these are all perfectly valid responses for football fans. But yeah, last night I thought was really excellent. I thought the, the boys gave the fans something to get behind and cheer. Uh, there were times when the fans needed to help, help them out and they did. Uh, and they were rewarded in that as well. And, and, and I know the team were appreciative of the, of the much improved atmosphere last night. And, and long may it continue. And hopefully that can continue to build. We saw it at Lincoln with, with their fan fan group, the 617 squadron, leading their whole stadium. Uh, not just this fan group in particular, it's about the whole, all of the fans coming together. And they've been going since 2011 and, and you know, they're a phenomenal force up at Sinsel Bank. And that's something I think for Wickham to aspire to and, and to build to and hopefully eclipse. And really exciting for yourself as well to see, you know, the potential that's in, the, in especially the new signings, I guess, but, but the whole group uh, coming together as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a squad game. We know that's going to be the case over over the 46 league games. Plus, hopefully, um, we can uh, have some cup runs in there too. We've got Sutton United coming up on a Tuesday night. Um, so this will be a chance for, for squad rotation and minutes. And, and we've had an injury hit pre-season for, for some of the players too and illness. 
and you have to manage their minutes and to make sure they're not going to do any long-term damage to themselves as well. So there's going to be part of that. You know, Tafizoli came off in the second half on Tuesday because they're sort of monitoring uh, his minutes too and making sure that he can be as fit for as, as many games as possible because he's such a big player for Wickham. Uh, same for Chris Farino, not in the squad on Tuesday. So it's about making sure that everyone is at their optimum when, when called upon, really. And, and it's a squad game and we know it's going to be a squad game. People will have to be patient uh, and and when they get the chance, it's then on them to take it and, and make sure they're undroppable. And obviously still really early in the season, and which means, I think, in a way, that there's, there's so much to look forward to as well. Yeah, of course, you know, and it's a long old season, but when you start badly and, you know, fans can get a bit despondent, but they've got to remember the bigger picture. But 10 games is the key indicator. If we can, can be in a position at 10 games where everything is still possible, and um, and of course it will be because there'll be still huge amounts of points to play for, but they don't want to make it too difficult in terms of catching up. So in terms of like reaching, uh, reaching the heights and getting into that top six, the 10-game indicator will, will really show where we can are at from their start and where they can look to improve and, and, and build. It is, but um, I think hopefully after 10 games, we can have given a really good account of themselves and, uh, and are in a decent position to keep pushing upwards and ultimately be in that top six at the end of the season. Great to speak to you as always and enjoy the game on Saturday. Nice one. Cheers, Colin. Always a pleasure to have Phil on the show. And of course, you can hear live commentary on 106.6 FM on Saturday and of course on Wanderers TV as well. You might, uh, of course, be going to the game. You could do both. Some people do both. I'm sure you listen listen to the commentary and watch the game. Luke does that. Uh, (laughs) You might be doing that as well. You might be listening thinking, yeah, I do that. Because people do. They go to like Formula One and cricket and they have the commentary on and and watch it. So yes, I'd encourage that. If you've not done that before, listen to the commentary and also watch the game. You can do both. It's not like an either or. Also, you can hear more of Phil's chat with Matt Bloomfield and also uh, with Joe Lowe as well on Wondrous TV. And you can catch up with Knowing Me, Knowing Blues, which last week was with Luke Leahy. Uh, listen out for the, uh, and look out for the next uh, edition of that, which is coming very soon as well as we get to know more about the players. Uh, the second part of the Wickham Wanderers show is on the way next here at Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderer Show, we'll preview the visit of Burton Albion on Saturday. We'll hear from manager Matt Bloomfield. We'll talk kits as as the new goalkeeper shirt is among the very first to be available, uh, which you can uh, enjoy uh, from Saturday. You can see pictures of it now, in fact, even as well. Uh, we'll let, let you know details about the uh, next Family Fun Day, which is coming to Adams Park, and... Something else, which I've completely forgotten. Uh, But first, uh, we'll uh, chat to Luke about Tuesday. Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much for for joining us. It's Uh, like a behind-the-camera view. Yes, because if if you were listening last week, and let's hope you were, uh, (laughs) then uh, we sort of revealed, if that's the word you've got, a new role with the club. Yes, Wanderers TV producer. Ooh. Mm. I was thinking more director, I think. I was going to say, do you get one of those chairs, you know, the director? No, no. but I would like one of those <laughs> if uh, Mr. Kuhig is listening. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just put your request in. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, give us a bit of an, an insight as to what was involved on Tuesday with your with your Wanderers TV role. It was a bit weird because there was no Wickham Sound-like stuff. So it was like, oh, I don't have to run outside to a car park, which was quite nice. But you still did cover quite but a bit of ground. But I did quite a lot of running inside instead, <laughs> um, which was good because it wasn't raining. So that made things a lot nicer. Uh, so, obviously, Martin O'Neill, who we'll hear from in a bit, was there on Tuesday to be uh, announced as honorary uh, president of the foundation. Uh, so that involved running from the Bill Temple gantry at about 
I went. I went up. Did you th- say running? No. Okay. If I run down the Frank Adams end, I would be dead. <laughs> um, so I went at sort of half halfway through, sort of thirty minutes into the game. So I thought that gives me enough time to get through like the gates and background, which was fine. And then on the ways, so we did all that, which was great. Great for Martin O'Neill to be there. It's brilliant for the foundation. Um, and you know, having Martin there is always good. It was really weird though because the place went quiet. Normally, when things happen, sometimes you get fans talking. It went silent. Everyone was listening to Martin, which just shows sort of how much everyone respects him. So that was really, really interesting to know. And nice for you to be on the pitch while that was happening as well. Yeah, it is. Although I always have someone in the back of my head sort of just going, don't fall over. There's a lot of people looking at you. Don't make an idiot of yourself, which I do quite easily. Yeah, easily done, I can imagine. <laughs> it really is. So that was cool. And then um, I had to go back up to Bill Turnbull Gantry. Uh, but this is when all the red cards were sort of happening. You could tell something was about to happen. Uh, so while I was inside the Legends Lounge, it was all I could hear it all kicking off. So then I did run sort of through the sort of the stairs back up to the gantry and was like, "What's happened?" It was like, "There's been a red card." Fascinating insight. I know. Thank you. And then post match as well, which we'll, we'll talk to you perhaps a bit more uh, in a short moment, because uh, I don't want to delay any further. Because as you mentioned, uh, Martin O'Neill was at the game and uh, inducted uh, with uh, Mark Gateskill, who of course is the chief executive of the Wickham Wanderers Foundation, who we'll hear from on next week's show as well. He's as, very tall as well. He is very tall, yeah. as am I, as often pointed out. <laughs> People do say that you're very tall. Thank you. Uh, it's more of an observation than a compliment. True. But yes, uh, Martin O'Neill inducted as honorary uh, president, and I caught up with him the uh, the morning after. Uh, to find out his reaction. I really enjoyed it, I must admit. It's an absolute a privilege to be back. And um, well, some things have changed and uh, some things haven't changed. But it was really, genuinely really nice to be back. And you've got this title as Honorary President, which sounds very grand, of the, of the uh, Wickham Wanderers Foundation. But uh, fantastic for you to be able to you know, pass on your experience with the work that they do in terms of inclusion and the community and, and getting the best out of people. I think that's exactly right. It is yeah, precisely that. It wasn't uh, when I was manager of the football club quite quite uh, some time ago. There weren't any um, additions like um, foundations, anything like that. In fact, the first time that I probably really knew about foundations was when I went up to Celtic. And theirs is pretty big, I must admit. Uh, Wiggins will grow during the time. But you're saying absolutely the, the benefits for the um, the community would be terrific. It really does show what a big part football clubs do have in their communities. Exactly. Well, of course, and, and Wickham would be a prime example of that. I, I think that um, it's really community-based. You think uh, um, way back in 1990 when I, was the, um, when I was the manager, we were at the old Lokes Park, which was, I, I thought, despite the slopey pitch, I thought it was brilliantly positioned near the hospital, just, just in the edge of town. And um, then, of course, Moving away to to Adams Park, just slightly, just slightly out, but uh, and sometimes difficult to get to with the traffic. But uh, but overall, you know, genuinely lovely place. Last night, watching the game, the pitch was, I suppose, you probably would expect it to be in fantastic order at the beginning of the season, but it looked absolutely immaculate. And again, you no, know, um, over four thousand people watching the game. I, it just it kind of reminded me of uh, of thirty odd years ago. And did it feel, and I guess it's easy to look back and say that now, but did it feel at the time like uh, you were doing something really special in, you know, obviously moving grounds and we've had Glyn Creaser on the show before talking about how special it was to be offered a, a professional contract by yourself? I think, right, OK, so when we, I think that when we were moving grounds, moving from the old Lopes Park to Adams Park, I think we were hoping 
that, that something special might happen. Obviously, the ambition was to try and get into the Football League at the time. We were in the league called the Vauxhall Conference. And I think that we all had these great dreams and aspirations of, of eventually getting in there. Perhaps maybe we didn't think that it would happen so quickly. Along the way, we won a couple of FA trophies, which were you know the equivalent, the non-league equivalent, anyway, of the FA Cup. And those trips to Wembley were really special. And, uh, you know, uh, success follows uh, success for, for, uh, for a couple of years, which is really, really delightful. And as Glyn just mentioned, players coming from being part-time players to getting an opportunity to become professional players. And I, uh, Glyn, I think, was about, uh, he must have been about 28 or 29 when this opportunity came along for him. And I thought when we got into the Football League, I thought that uh, for the most part, those players who took us there, if they wanted to become professional players, should get first chance to kind of keep us there and hopefully maybe maybe push on. So uh, all, all those lads, I'm, I'm indebted to them really for the uh, effort that they put in every single game. But it was was uh, was phenomenal, and I, I liken them to any any group of players that I that I've had. Because obviously people will credit you for what you've achieved and leading the team into the Football League. But as you say, there was such a special group of players and, and you really brought the best out of them. Uh, there's no question about that. You know, they, they, uh, people might turn around and say, I helped them. They helped me immensely. Absolutely. And I, I, I think I've said this before, that, um, that if success hadn't happened there, perhaps maybe I, I, I might have found myself in the wilderness. So I, 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 I owe a special debt to those players. They were really, really terrific. They improved, and there's no question about it, they did improve. But their attitude, their attitude every single week and in training was absolutely first class. And I honestly, and I really could not praise them enough. Because I think as fans, don't you, you see the players, you know, coming out on a, on a Saturday or a Tuesday and, you know, you don't really appreciate, I guess, what goes into getting, getting them to that point. Well, we, it, it's funny, and I must tell you this, that when we went, um, when the players uh, got promotion into the football league and became professional players, we didn't um, we didn't have any really uh, any big any big place to train in. But we went, we managed to secure a couple of pictures up at Homer Green, where the uh, gentleman and his wife, who were looking after after things there, were uh, exceptionally helpful to us. Cordoned off little areas for us when the weather was terrible. And players just had a fantastic time. And uh, on on the Friday, when we used to the, the day before the games, we would have uh, our, our little matches, and then then we were we were plied with um, with tea sandwiches and buns on the Friday by the gentleman. Unfortunately, he's just passed away, and so was his wife now in the last couple of years. But um, uh, it was. It was terrific. There was a camaraderie. I know you're going to hear that word so often that everybody seems to talk about it. But with the success that we had, we couldn't have done it without the camaraderie of the of the players. And they were, uh, you know, what was it that old D'Artagnan, all for one and one for all. They were seriously brilliant. Well, I can tell you from personal experience, Matt Bloomfield is very partial to a chocolate brownie, so not that much has changed at the training ground. <laughs> That's great. And wasn't that a result last night? Oh, absolutely. Really terrific. I, I honestly, I think that he can obviously um, legendary status as a player for the length of time he was uh, uh, there, and I think I think in time, just given a little bit of time, I think just um, he will be able to uh, plant his own mark on on the football club as a manager. 
And it's obviously great what Gareth did in the, in the in the time that he was in charge as well. And you mentioned the, the sort of the camaraderie amongst the players and the culture that they, he built, and that was something that was very much reflected in in your day as well. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And and like everything else, a new manager comes in, has different ideas, and um, Matt may well have been initially maybe as a manager working with a couple of people that, that were there when he was a player. And sometimes those things are all difficult to to set a, a maybe. Uh, a new set of rules down. Lads, they, they, the players have been used to one uh, to a manager who's been there for about 10 years. He's very, very successful and did really, really well. And the, the minute that you think you went in and, and try and change some little things, then, you know, there might be some sort of rebellion. I'll give you an example. Graham Sunis, wonderful, wonderful footballer at Liverpool. Absolutely fantastic player at, at Liverpool. Worked with a lot of a, a group of players and, and of course, the management team uh, had their own way uh, of uh, doing things. When Graham became manager, he tried to change things. He says himself, he tried to change things probably too quickly. But, you know, his, his um, experiences as a player out in Italy taught him to maybe do something in a, in a different fashion. And it didn't go down all that brilliantly. And I think that with given time now, that uh, Graham says in, in, in hindsight, that he might not have changed things as quickly as he wanted to do that. So there is a time then for, for implementing your own your own plan, but the same token, you know, uh, trying to keep a couple of little things that, 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 that were good for the football club and good for the players as well. Too. It's a hard balancing act when you want to change things around, but in time, just given some results like last night, fantastic, and things, things will go well. It was great to hear you speak to Phil recently about the you know the memories that you have in your career, especially where the the game against Sutton really ranks. And we had Steve Guppy on the show uh, last season talking about the the atmosphere and the the zone that the players were in at half time, and and they really believed that that they were going to win that game. And I'm really fantastic that you can create that. Sutton United away from home is one of my definitely one of my top five games as a manager at Wickham, and 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 maybe even higher up than that. We had the experience of beating Kidderminster a couple of years earlier in the. Um, in the FA Trophy, and we desperately wanted to get back to Wembley. We're in the semi-final. We didn't play well in the in the, in the first game. They beat us at Adams Park, um, but the crowd, the crowd itself, our supporters turned out in big, big numbers. The stadium was packed to the to the rafters at at, uh, at Sutton, uh, and the players were so up for the game that we knew in the dressing room beforehand that, that we would do it. Matty Crosby scored twice. And we were absolutely fantastic. Of course, Keith got them back from injury. That was a big. That was a big plus for us. And that that uh, that day, that afternoon, was something I would I, I would never forget. It was really great. And then to go on to win at Wembley then and complete the double was terrific. And we spoke to Andy Kerr as well, and he said, obviously, how uh, excellent you are at sort of getting the best out of players. Is that something that sort of sort of just came naturally to you, really? Do you know what? I, I actually I think there, there's probably something uh, something in that. You know, you have to try. Obviously, your job is to try and get the very very best out of players, and hopefully, if they want to, uh, and 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 there has to be there has to be a feeling on the other side that the players want to improve, and of course they did do. And when you're getting into when you're getting into uh, going to football matches and feeling that that you can win, then there's no, there's, there's no finer feeling. And I think that was the thing that I had to try and change. I, I, I inherited a very, very fine set of players, but as Matty Crosley has often said to me, they, they couldn't win often enough, and that, that was the point. You know, they, and winning or losing didn't seem to be the be-all and end-all of, 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 of their footballing existence, and I wanted to try and change that. And, that, that, and I, I think 
Uh, obviously, I was able to do that. But again, you have to have a response from the players, and that was terrific. And does it feel like 30 years ago, getting the club into the Football League, especially you know what, you, what you've gone on to achieve since? I couldn't believe it. I really, really cannot believe it. I must admit, I can't believe it. Honestly, that uh, the opening game up at Carlisle United when, um, when we couldn't get a breath for about 20 minutes in the match and we thought, wow, this is going to be really tough for us. You know, players becoming professional players, opening league game, it was incredible. And the irony of ironies was the fact that when we got into the playoffs, our two semi-final games were against Carlisle again, by which time we were absolutely and utterly ready for, uh, for anything. And did this sort of step up sort of surprise you in from, from being from the conference to the Football League or, or, or was that something you were quite prepared for? Absolutely. No, it, it did. I knew we had some, some uh, athleticism in the team and, uh, and, and that was going to help. But even those lads like Stapleton and Ryan, players like this here, Guppy himself and Carol, even they found it very difficult to begin with. But we knew once we settled down, once we get to the, get the pace of the games, which might take us a, it might take us a number of weeks to do that. Then it was a matter of trying to hang in. As it turns out, the players, the players, their their response was um, w- w- was pretty quick. You know, pretty quick to the uh, to the pace of the game at Carlisle. As I said, we couldn't get a couldn't get a breath for the first 20, 25 minutes. But when things started to settle down a wee bit, players get used to it. I would have said that. Um, I would have said that despite some decent results that we had, I would have I would have said that really it maybe took us about five or six games to really feel as if yeah yeah we're absolutely fine here in terms of in terms of pace of the game. And really nice for you to reflect on you know your success during your time at the club, even from you know winning things like the Bob Lord Trophy, obviously the trips to Wembley, and then the playoff finals and and the FA Trophy of course as well. The FA Trophy was something that that Ivor Beaks the chairman at the time really wanted and I understand why you know for the team to go to to uh, to, um, to Wembley and to win at Wembley was really terrific you know we brought I think I think that game against Kidderminster I think it was about 35 or 36,000 people which that was a record I think for a trophy at the time and I think we brought around about 27,000 people to the to the game so when you have people travelling from from all parts of Buckinghamshire and beyond and getting into trains and heading up to Wembley, I think that was pretty special. And I know that um, uh, my family, wife and daughters, uh, really had a, a, a terrific day. But uh, again, unfortunately, life moves on. You wanted to stand still for a while and really enjoy it, but it moves on so quickly. Great to have those memories, though. And as you say, it's all about community. I remember going to those games and you'd see people from, from the same street or school that you knew, and, and it was a real sense that the whole town was there. Absolutely, yeah, very much so. And we followed that there with a couple of more trips as well to again in the final a couple of years later. And obviously the uh, the game against Preston when we were um, when we got promotion at first time of asking into into what would be termed the um, the old um, well the third division, the old third division at the time. Not sure what it was called there. <laughs> no, it's changed a few times, I think. Since, but um, have you really sort of taken on you know into into your other jobs what you, what you've achieved at Wickham or you know is managing against North Victoria the same as you know taking charge of an old firm game or, or Aston Villa into the Europa League or something like that? Are you very similar? Right, in very many aspects, it is. Uh, Wickham Wonders was really important for me. At the time, as I, th- I think I said to you earlier, you know, you could if you didn't, if results didn't go so well, you could maybe find yourself in the wilderness very quickly. And um, I put heart and soul into it. Moved my family down. We were uh, lived in a 
a really decent place in Nottingham, but family moved down. Children went to school here. We were in rented accommodation for a long period of time. And I, uh, most evenings, I was out um, I was out watching football games. I needed to know what the strength of the Vauxhall Conference was and the leagues below that, because maybe we might be able to find a, a gem or two playing in, in, in leagues be, below the Vauxhall Conference. So all of that there was part of my job. And and which I relished and and, and I took it upon myself, you know, you know, to, to do it because one, I wanted to do it, and two, it was I wasn't going to find out anything about the Vauxhall Conference by sitting in the house, so I had to get out and um, and yeah, I put uh, heart and soul into it. Yeah, I think I think most evenings I would have been at football matches, you know, certainly within the Buckinghamshire area and and a bit beyond that. And you're still very much in demand today. That your book's been very successful. You've been on TV talking to balls, doing uh, cup draws, and on the, on the radio as well. I'm I'm I'm, I'm talking to balls now. That's that's that's, <laughs> that's the new one. I must say. And um, yeah, so I think that um, I think I was probably trying to uh, I was trying to uh, get Wickham a decent draw. And, <laughs> and incredibly, we should be drawn against uh, a Sutton, you know. So, uh, but. Um, yeah, the topic evolves and and uh, and and uh, having a bit of fun at the same time. Well, it's been a real pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you so much indeed for your time and uh, uh, congratulations, obviously, on, on all your success and brilliant to reflect on. You know, th- hopefully, you'll be speaking about it in another ten years as well. Thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate it. Really do. Thank you very much. Fantastic to chat to uh, Martin, of course, who was at the ground uh, on Tuesday. You might well have seen him there. And a big thank you to the Wickham Wanderers Expos Association uh, for the opportunity as well. Part of uh, a series where we're marking 30 years of Wickham Wanderers in the Football League. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Final part of this week's Wickham Wanderer Show. What already? It goes so quick, don't we? Uh, I'd just like to jump in here and say, um, if you hadn't noticed, Colin's quite a, a, a large fan of Martin O'Neill <laughs> for several reasons. <laughs> but it's it's always lovely when Martin's on because you just are like a child at Christmas. Thank you. This is true. It's very exciting. I know. You're even smiling now. I am. Yeah. If you'd have told me 30 years ago that you'd get to chat to Martin O'Neill, I, I, I'd be probably just as excited. <laughs> you were, yeah, exactly. Yeah. A bit of a higher voice as well. Yeah. It was fairly high then, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, thank you very much. Um, still to come, though, we'll hear from the current manager, who I'm always excited to sp- exactly, speak to yes. as well. Even little room with brownies. You've not given Martin O'Neill any brownies, so... No. Mm. No, that's mm-hmm. the point. Oh, I should always carry brownies just with ca- me, you I should, think, yeah. just in case. Just you, in case. You never know when a brownie presentation opportunity <laughs> exactly. might... Exactly. If you've just tuned in, this will make no sense to you. <laughs> uh, we'll hear from the current boss, uh, Matt Bloomfield, as well. Just as a heads up, of course, if you've been following the Women's World Cup, uh, we'll uh, find out next week, after the final, of course, uh, how uh, the Lionesses... Good have, Lionesses. Absolutely. How the Lionesses have impacted uh, the chair girls. We'll hear from uh, Wickham Wanderers captain, Cara Howes. Uh, we'll also hear from the manager... Uh, these coaching staff and some of the players as well on what impact England women's footballers have had on them. But first, kit news. Yes, good news, everybody. Uh, the shirts are on their way. Uh, Wickham Wanderers announced earlier on today that the first delivery of home and away shirts are due to arrive over the weekend and shipping will begin next week for fans who've placed a pre-order. Uh, shirts will then be available to purchase in-store at Adams Park later this month once the pre-orders have been fulfilled. Uh, exciting news if you have uh, small children because baby and toddler kits and possibly if you're an adult that likes uh, goalkeepers, uh, the home Mardi Gras uh, 
Keeper shirt will be avail- available to buy from the shop this weekend onwards, uh, along with a section of Hummel leisure wear and training wear. I say. Which I believe is the hoodies, I think. I'm a big fan of the training wear. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's very nice. The coats, I can tell you, are excellent at keeping water off you. <laughs> water repellent coats. Yeah, they're very that. good, aren't they? That's what you want. Uh, also, you've got some Family Fun Day news. Yes, because uh, Family Fun Day is always excellent at Adams Park. Um, obviously, we're, we're being there is a very small part of it, but they have um, lots of activities going on. And the next Family Fun Day, uh, sponsored by Buckinghamshire University, has been confirmed uh, as the Carlisle United game, uh, 30th of next month. So right at the end of next month, uh, they're going to have lots going on, including uh, Q Little Pigs... Pardon? Exactly. Some little pigs. Uh, football. I don't think that means Wickham Sound, possibly. I'm not sure. Uh, football activities with Wickham Ledger. Uh, Beauty and the Beast activities with the Wickham Swan and much more. Uh, season ticket holders uh, can buy them now because they want to sell on Monday. Uh, general sale is on the 23rd of August at 10am. All the details are on the Wickham Wanderers website. Did you say cute little pigs? Cute. Like like cute gardens. Oh, I see. It's a petting pig thing. Initially, In Amersham, apparently. Who oh. knew? Initially, I thought you meant you had to queue. Well, you might have to queue for them, but there will be some... You might have to queue for queue little pigs. (laughs) Fantastic. You're welcome. Great pig news. I didn't didn't realise they'd be be brought up on on the show as well. Um, You never know what will happen on this show. No, exactly. Um, Coming up uh, next week, by the way... uh, Queue little pigs. (laughs) There was was mention of donkeys earlier as well. No, that's true, yeah. This has got very um, farmyard... I don't think that's the right word. Uh, have I mentioned what's coming up on next week's show? So? Uh, I don't know. What are you going to say? Uh, that's true. The Wickham Wonders will win. And yes, you mentioned that. Also, uh, Mark Gateskill, who's kind the of mentioned that. chief executive of the Wickham Wonders Foundation, and uh, quite likely uh, Rob Kuick as well. Yes. He's in, he's in the country. He'll be yes. there on Saturday uh, again. Yes, much to look forward to. Um, I think that's it from the notice board section, isn't it? Uh, yes. If you want more Wonders content after this, pretty much feels is 50 minutes long this week. Oh, We might want to get a cup of tea or something, popcorn. Speaking in your uh, Wondrous TV yeah. uh, hat, can you tell us about what's on, on that? Oh, yes, I can, because I, I helped put it all together, so I should know what was on it. Uh, obviously, uh, there's the gaffer. Yes. Obviously. Uh, Jack Grimmer is also on it. There's the uh, the brand new feature, uh, Wish You Were Here. That's very popular, isn't it? I think is what it's called. No, yeah, it is. Uh, which includes somebody in a ba- uh, bucket hat once again. Exciting! Uh, you can look also back, available in club also shop. Also available in the club shop. Um, there is the uh, lowdown from a Burton fan, and also uh, Luke Garrett's amazing pitch size footage from Tuesday. Really good hearing in the blues actually on, on on a Tuesday, which of course is and that's here for an hour on Tuesday as well. Yes, it's a bit, a bit cut down this week because of the football. Yeah, football. Absolutely. Speaking of which, uh, Phil caught up with the manager uh, Matt Bloomfield, of course, uh, earlier on today. In fact, he did. To, uh, to recap what happened on Tuesday and look ahead to the visit of Burton Albion on Saturday. Gaffer, here we are on Thursday in between a Tuesday and Saturday home game. Uh, he must be still buzzing after Tuesday night. Yeah, uh, definitely so. I thought it was um, obviously a really positive night for us in terms of the result. We needed to get that first win. We wanted to um, put on a performance at home. Um, obviously, we weren't sort of expecting the, the amount of excitement that we had on the night. It was, as we said after the game, the game had everything, didn't it? Um, but obviously, we're we're really really pleased. We've analysed it. There's some positives. There's some not so positive bits that we need to try and arrest and correct as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, we have to be pleased with the night's work. Some really good signs across the pitch as well. Players really getting to know each other's games as well. And we talked to Jack Grimmer earlier, and he was saying there's only certain things you can do at training, but sometimes match days 
really kind of cement those relationships. Yeah, and you know, I don't want to bore everyone with repeating the same lines, but we, we have to remember that we did miss like, most of pre-season with this group. Um, you know, live match situations in pre-season are the time where you iron out um, you know, pressing situations, defensive situations, building relationships on the pitch, but unfortunately that wasn't to be, so we have to um, try and get the boys up to speed and get them um, cohesive as quickly as possible. Um, there were some promising signs in the first two games, albeit lots of negatives as well, but the other night um, there was more positives and we, we have to be pleased with that. Um, I'm really excited about the group. I, I, I love these boys. I'm, I'm really um, happy with the group we've got together. Um, but I was after the first two games and I'm, I'm still am after Tuesday night and we have to make sure we keep moving forward. One result doesn't change anything in my, my mind. We have to be ready and, and hungry for Saturday. And a great opportunity to build on this on a Saturday afternoon as well, hopefully put on a, on a really good show for the fans. If the sun's out as well, it'll make it even better. Yeah, obviously Saturday afternoon we want to win, a, we want to win, a, win the game. Um, if the sun's shining, the, the guys want to say thanks for the atmosphere the other night. I thought it was top. Um, I love I love Tuesday nights at Adams Park. Um, the lights are on. It was it was great. It was lovely to share that moment with the with the terrace after the game. Um, but we will need to be ready for Saturday. You know, this is going to be a tough game against a good Burton team, and um, we've got to be ready to go. Um, we've got to be hungry, and um, we've got to be we've got to be ready to go, mate. We're a few games into the season now, so we can talk a bit about the the law changes that came in because Tuesday was quite a good example of that. We had both uh, players on both sets of teams, but for time wasting, uh, we had coaches getting sent off. Uh, or booked during the game, sent off after the game, and then not able to, or not allowed to do their media commitments. Uh, lots going on in, around the game. What do you make of the changes? Yeah, I think that um, it's actually a bit like the, the the player relationships. It's only once you actually get into the season you realise how much the game has changed. Um, you know, even the multi-ball means there's there's less time. You know, when we're trying to get tactical information onto the pitch. There's a lot fewer opportunities to do so because the ball's in play more. Um, you know, um, usually, you know, with the ball goes in the crowd, you can get you can get some information onto the lads. That's not so because the balls are back in play. So that's definitely changed from our side how we get um, information onto the pitch. The amount of added time at the end, we've spoken about that. There's going to be a lot of extra football for the boys to play. So recovering, especially early season, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday is tough. So you have to look at that. Um, obviously, our conduct on the side, you have to be really mindful of of, of that. It's hard because it's obviously an emotional game and we care deeply about what we do. That's why we, we, we do the jobs we do and we're, des- we're all desperate to win. I, I understand that we have to be respectful towards the officials and I try that at all times, but sometimes emotional reactions happen like that and you have to be mindful of, of what you're doing on the sideline. So I think there's been plenty to um, get to grips with, maybe a lot all in one go at the start of the season when we are only given a couple of weeks' notice, but... It's the product and we have to be um, mindful of the fact we're trying to look after it and make it as enjoyable and as entertaining as we can. But ultimately, we're here to win. What was the directive about the conducts in the technical area? Because you've had a booking, right? You've, had, you've definitely had a talk to talking to. Yeah, I got booked first game. So it was, uh, for me, I thought we had a penalty. I, I made my claim about the penalty. I thought it was a stonewaller on Josh Gowen. Um, wasn't given. I didn't realise I was, um, uh, was going to get booked for that. But again, uh, I wasn't disrespectful in my, in my protest um, apparently I threw my chewing gum which is not allowed so uh, I deserve booking and Saturday Burton Albion uh, who've struggled um, they finished the season brilliantly under mm. Dino but they're struggling this time out yeah I, I think they built obviously from January to the end of the season they made some really astute loan signings um, I thought they strengthened really really well in January they're really hard working really high energy team um, so we know that they're going to want to you know want to come on and 
uh, give us a stern test on Saturday. I think Dino's done a great job there since he took over um, last season. So they signed some good players. Um, maybe they've been unlucky with a couple of injuries early season, but it's going to be a tough test for us. We have to concentrate on ourselves. We have to make sure that we um, have our energy levels up and we have to make sure we have our um, performance levels up because um, we want to go and go and have another good day on Saturday. And how's the squad looking um, coming into the Tuesday night game? It was just Jason and, and David Wheeler mm. who were missing through injury. Any any updates on those guys? No, uh, they're still unavailable. Dave uh, and Jace obviously missed all the pre-season. They're working their way back out. They're out on the grass now, but they're still not back in with the group. Um, obviously, um, you know we're building up the fitness of a couple as well who, who did miss pre-season, we're trying to get Volksy's minutes up. Josh Goins gone and played a lot of football in the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, Chrissy Farino missed a lot of pre-season as well. Um, hence why he missed out on Tuesday night. So we have to be really mindful of the fact that we can't break anyone this early in the season. Um, so we have to make sure that we, you know, we've got a couple of knocks the other night as well. Taff and, and Dale got a bit of a couple of knocks. We have to assess them over the next 24, 48 hours and um, pick a team that we believe is ready to run and ready to, uh, ready to go and perform. Uh, more you can hear from... More you can hear... Am I Yoda? Hello, Yoda. <laughs> more you can ah, hear... More you can hear... From Matt Bloomfield on, uh, on Wanderers TV with uh, Phil discussing other things with him as well. More you can hear. Mm. Bloomfield, more you can. <laughs> yes, we can. Uh, we were going to talk quickly before um, the end uh, about the Legends Lounge because you mentioned that briefly and, and on Tuesday. Yes, Stuart Lewis will be the third legend in the Wickham Legends Lounge, which I keep weirdly calling the Live Lounge. I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> Do they perform? I don't think so. Uh, although uh, Michael Jackson was brought up on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, but Stuart Lewis <laughs> will be the third legend. Uh, if you want to find out more details, wwfc.com. Former captain uh, Paul Hayes on Tuesday. He was, and he was very funny. Fantastic. Uh, to back in town. Um, if you've not eaten, then this might make you hungry. Um, I can tell you on um, Saturday is going to be a Great British Roast themed menu in the Legends Lounge. Oh, great. Uh, catering news as well. Uh, chicken, Yorkshire puddings, honey glazed roast root vegetables, uh, roast garlic, new potatoes, sage and onion stuffing, and ri- red wine gravy. Wasn't expecting that. Can I have that now? Dear Baxter Story. <laughs> We've had cute pigs and now we've had roasts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to those little pigs. They're not mentioned on here. It's fine. It's just chickens. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, great news. Yeah, the Legends Lounge is really fantastic um, for, to, for if you've experienced that already this season. And uh, lots more, of course. Stuart Lewis has been on the show as well. Uh, Paul Hayes, we haven't spoken to yet, have we? Dear Ex-Players Association. Yeah. You have to have him on. Uh, enjoy the game on Saturday if you're going, slash listening. And uh, uh, great show to look forward to next week, as mentioned. Very much looking forward to uh, uh, Wickham Wonders Women Captain Cara House uh, bringing us uh, the... Uh, uh, the thoughts of the uh, the whole club of uh, Wickham Wanderers women on uh, the chair girls uh, and also, of course, England, the Lionesses at the World Cup final. Wishing them all the best as well. Have a good rest of your week. Up the week. Come on, you blues.